Today on Blue 58, the Packers escaped the desert with one of the weirder, wilder, more exciting wins we've ever seen. How did they do it? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you. Oh, so happy to be with you here for another episode. Boy, it's been an unusual season, hasn't it? Starting with whatever that was in week one, continuing on through... Everything that we've seen since. Uh, The Packers in the wild one in Cincinnati. uh, Whatever happened against Washington, just sweating out that win. Handling the San Francisco 49ers, then having to win it at the buzzer. All of it kind of pales in comparison to going to Arizona on a short week without your top three receivers. Without, well, you know the litany at this point. Zedaria Smith. Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, Preston Smith limping around. You get it. You get the point. The Packers were shorthanded. And I guess without diving too deep into the game before we even get started here, really, I guess I need to disagree with Aaron Rodgers. Post-game with Aaron Andrews, he says, well, the Packers are a really scrappy team. We're going to keep fighting, stuff like that. All those, you know, almost coach-speak type cliches. The Packers are more than scrappy. They're really good. Again, on the road, without their top three receivers, without two of their best defensive players, without their defensive coordinator, losing Robert Tunyon during the game, losing Kylan Hill during the game, even if he's not as important a player as Tunyon is, seeing a player get carted off is never good for morale. Getting a touchdown taken away that gives your opponent the ball on their own one-yard line with a chance to win the game, and then winning it, on a great play by a guy who was on the Arizona Cardinals practice squad not even a month ago. Now, you can win that way by being scrappy, sure, but I think there's a much better chance you win it by being a good team. And available evidence would suggest that the Packers are a pretty darn good, pretty well-coached team. Because they're 7-1, they've stacked up 7 in a row, and they're doing it in unexpected and different ways each and every week. And now they've done it against one of the NFL's premier teams with an MVP candidate quarterback who had been undefeated prior to just a couple hours ago. Packers sound pretty good to me. So what happened in this game? What really happened? I think to figure out what this what happened, we've got to return to our preview. I said in that preview, amongst other things, which included saying that the Cardinals were going to win, but that's beside the point, I said the Packers needed to treat this game like a slow-motion shootout. Going to be high-scoring, going to be a lot of intensity and pressure on both sides, and they needed to score on every possession or almost every possession they could but shorten the game while doing that. And by and large, that is what they did. First two possessions, they punt. But from then on out, they scored on four of their next seven drives. And their shortest non-scoring drive was seven plays. They were still taking a lot of time off the clock, even when they weren't scoring. That's pretty much the way to do it. If you're shorthanded, you got to score a lot and take a lot of time not scoring. But on top of that, 
they get one of the great defensive performances we've seen from the Packers in I don't even know how long. Using frustrated as a verb is a very newspaper writer thing to do, but the Packers frustrated Kyler Murray. MVP candidate? Maybe in general, but not today. 22 of 33 passing, 274 yards for Mr. Murray. No touchdowns, two interceptions. Unexpected, of course, but hey, pretty welcome. This is a good team. This is a good Packers team. And these are the things that good teams do. These are the things that well-coached teams do. So all I'm really left wondering if this was is was whether or not this was the most impressive win of the Matt LaFleur era. Got to be right up there, I think. I'm having a hard time thinking of another one. The Chiefs game from 2019 comes to mind. But there it was the Chiefs playing shorthanded. In this game, facing more than their fair share of adversity, Matt LaFleur got a full effort from everybody. And he got a win. That's pretty darn impressive. And the Packers are proving to be a pretty impressive team. So let's talk about some of the good stuff that happened today, starting with that defense. I think there were three really good things that this defense did, starting with their interior pass rush. It's rare that you can be sitting on a couch at home and see the interior pass rush having as visible an impact as it did today. I wrote an entire piece this past January on what you need to watch for if you're going to try to evaluate defensive line play from your home without all 22, just looking at broadcast tape. This is the sort of game that can show you what an interior defensive lineman can do. Because Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry were just pushing people around. Lowry's sack in particular was hilarious because he just threw the guard at Kyler Murray and knocked him down. How often do you see something like that? Not very. But it just showed exactly how good the Packers defense can be. And all the credit in the world to the Packers coaching staff for figuring out how to get the absolute most out of this defensive line group that is, I think, shorthanded at best. Dean Lowry is kind of a perfect example here, continuing to make plays week after week after week after week. I think that's four weeks in a row now where he's had a sack, or at least part of one. Getting useful performances out of guys like him who, let's be real, have not necessarily impressed in the not-too-recent past, that is a major, major accomplishment. The second thing I thought the defense did really well was maintain their containment on the edge. Kyler Murray, a notably athletic quarterback who can run well, given the opportunity, just finished with 21 yards on six carries. And I think part of that is because the Packers were so good containing on the edge. They did a great job of stringing things out, making him run a long way to get a little yardage, and forcing cutbacks. It was an effective performance, and they should feel real good about it. Finally, just Rasul Douglas. What a play, what a story. I've never seen anything quite like that. A.J. Green clearly was thinking run on that play. Turned out, actually, no. And Rasul Douglas comes up with the interception. I don't know how you say it more eloquently than that. That's what, that's what happened. But just a guy thought he was running. It was a pass. And all of a sudden, Rasul Douglas has the ball. And again, he was signed from the Cardinals practice squad on October 6th. Now here we are, October 28th, and he's embarrassing the Cardinals. Another good thing that happened tonight was the run game. So I called for an exotic run performance 
in the preview. It wasn't quite there, but the Packers still handed the ball off 32 times. And somehow that wasn't, didn't feel like enough. May not have been enough, may not have been all that exotic, and really wasn't all that explosive. 16 yards of the long carry for the night for the team, but it was still effective. The Packers just bludgeoned the Cardinals again and again and again, and that is with their best guard at tackle, their starting center on the bench, and their best tackle still working his way back from an ACL injury. Some of that could be changing in the very near future. And I think that should make us feel really good about what the Packers can do with their running game going forward. Final good thing I think comes out of this one, or at least comes to mind in this one, is just the overall performance of Equinemia St. Brown. Now, we could have gone with Randall Cobb here, but he was expected to be the top dog. The Packers needed guys other than Cobb to step up in this one. And Equinemia St. Brown, I think, was one of those guys. Now, the stat line doesn't look all that impressive. Three targets, two catches, 12 yards. But he did everything the Packers asked their starting wide receivers to do. He blocked well. He motioned around. Uh, He played that uh, quasi-tight end role on occasion that Alan Lazard plays so well. And you forget, because it hasn't been, you know, that exciting in his career so far, but EQ is a big, fast, physical receiver. And he can do those Alan Lazard type things. And he did it pretty well tonight. And on top of it, we already mentioned it, but when the Packers needed a fourth and three, who do they turn to? Who does Aaron Rodgers look for immediately? Equinemia St. Brown. That's about as impressive as it gets. As far as bad things go, I think it's hard to say bad in this one because the expectation was a win. How bad can anything really be if the Packers came out on top and uh, it wasn't a game they were expected to win anyway? Still, though, there are some things that were a little bit lackluster that maybe made this game closer than it had to be down the stretch, starting with the finishing efforts in the red zone. I think it's clear that Matt LaFleur overthinks it sometimes. Too clever by half is the expression we've used sometimes. Too cute by half, others have said. Too much passing in the red zone. I know that's a Nathan Hackett or Nathaniel Hackett, uh, Aaron Rodgers thing to an extent because they're constructing a lot of the, the red zone play selection stuff. But man, it seemed to be playing right into the Cardinals' hands because they seem to be selling out to stop the pass in those situations. You've got a 247-pound hammer in A.J. Dillon. Why not use him? Why not at least try? The second not-so-great thing from tonight was a 99-yard drive. The Packers nearly lost this game because the Cardinals almost went 99 yards in about three minutes with one time out. That would have been a real gut punch even in a game that I didn't feel necessarily all that invested in because the Packers, again, really weren't supposed to be leading in this one, much less competitive in this one. But they were, they did, and they managed to hold off that nearly 99-yard drive to come away with the win. Finally, boy, the injuries. Matt LaFleur is sounding pretty upset about uh, Robert Tunyon's injury. Got to guess that things are going to be pretty similar for Kylan Hill. If I had to guess, both are probably done for the year, which is just turning out to be par for the course. Solid injury luck for Matt LaFleur and the Packers. The first couple years of his tenure, not so much, not so much at all in 2021. What does it mean then? Sitting here tonight, 
uh, basking in the afterglow of a Packers win. What does it mean? They are 7-1. and one. They are atop the NFC. And perhaps more importantly in the short term, just trying to lock up that playoff spot, they are way up on the NFC North. On a personal note, the Packers are 7-0 and since my second kid was born, so you can thank the kiddo for that one. It's also, I don't know if this means anything or if it's just a statistical aberration, but it is the first seven-game regular season winning streak of the Matt LaFleur era. He had one in 2019 that started in the regular season and ran into the playoffs, but has never won seven or more in a row in the playoffs. That changes as of today. So then what's up next? Well, the Packers are going to play the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City next Sunday afternoon, the late slate kickoff. Going to be another wild one, I think. You know, sometimes there's a temptation to have a bit of a letdown after games like this uh, on the road in Arizona, but I think the Packers' little bye week is actually going to do them some good here. They get to kind of get the weekend out of their system, come back on Monday as though things are... um, well, just like a, n- a normal week, basically, like you played on Sunday, and get ready for the Chiefs. If you're going to have to end up on Thursday night football, you might as well make the most of that mini buy while you can, and I think the Packers are going to do that by just getting as healthy as they can and treating everything as normal when they come back. No need to uh, to hustle back to Green Bay tonight and try to get some, some practice time in over the next couple of days, just get some rest, bask in that win, and really buckle down on the Chiefs come Monday. A couple observations, and then we'll let you go off into your, I almost said Monday morning, how about Friday morning for this one? A lot of guys stepped up in this one, but one guy I thought who had a really rough outing was Amari Rogers. The Packers clearly wanted him involved. They were looking for him early, and he did not really respond. Then they went to him later, and he ends up sort of running a route incorrectly, one for which Aaron Rodgers chewed him out. But there is hope for the future because you know who got chewed out on almost that exact same thing a couple years back? Equinemia St. Brown. It happens from time to time. And uh, Rodgers, I think, has a lot to like in his game. It just may take a little bit now to to unlock it. Uh, one of the most common lines in my game notes this year is hard fill. That's been really exciting to see. What I'm referring to there is the the Packers' defensive backs, their safeties, their corners, coming downhill hard and fast once a pass is completed. They're coming down hard. Uh, Last week, we saw Darnell Savage with with a couple big hits doing that. Uh, This week was Adrian Amos, but they're doing it and doing it well, preventing additional yards after the catch and, and doing some similar things on the run game as well. It's good to see. And it seems like this defense is looking more and more legit each and every week. The Packers' first two drives ended in punts. But the third one, the third one was the turning point of this game. 14 plays, 75 yards, ends with a touchdown. And what was the defining feature of this drive? It was that the running backs were getting involved. Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon touched the ball on 9 of 14 plays. That's really what you have to do to win this kind of game. Speaking of Dylan, he had one of my two favorite non-interception plays of the game. So, rewind a little bit. Arizona scores to make it 17-14. to Packers are in dire need of a response. And they get one on the next drive. But, they had to convert a third and one early to do it. And what do they do to get that third and one? Well, they initially split A.J. Dillon out wide, but motion him into the backfield. He doesn't line up as a traditional running back, though. Where does he stand? 
or rather, where does he get down in his three-point stance? Yep, it says the up man, uh, the fullback, in an offset eye formation, and he gets the ball on what's essentially a fullback dive and picks up the first down. That is some interesting work. That is the exotic sort of stuff that I thought we were going to be seeing even more of from Matt LaFleur in this game. Still, uh, just the, the stuff that we did get, stuff like that, was pretty darn good. Uh, and it seems to have served his, its purpose in the Packers getting the win here on Thursday night. Uh, the other non-interception play uh, that I thought was really, really uh, interesting was Randall Cobb's second touchdown. So the Packers did a really great job of thinking of getting everyone to think that the uh, the play was going left. They had trips to the left side, they had jet motion going from right to left, and a receiver coming out of the backfield going to the left uh, once the ball was snapped uh, on the play. But instead, you get uh, Randall Cobb running kind of a slant or a, a skinny post um, from the slot on the left going back to the right, about as easy as it gets as a touchdown. Uh, but set up by some beautiful play design. Interesting statistical nugget for Aaron Rodgers, who I would say did what he could in the passing game. Not a an inspiring passing line by any stretch of the imagination. 22 of 37 for 184 yards. Does, of course, have the two touchdowns there, but um, really have to impress on you how unusual it is that the Packers got the win in with a Rodgers stat line like that. This would be just the fourth time in Rodgers' career that the Packers have won when he's completed less than 60% of his passes for fewer than 200 yards. In any other instance, it's almost taken as a given that the Packers will will lose in that situation. The Packers are 3-11 and 11 when Rodgers has a comparable stat line there, including some of the very worst games of his career. But... Not this one. Packers win. 7-1. and one. Devondre Campbell keeps making plays uh, as we continue to run down some of the notable nuggets from this game to steal a bit of a bif- bit from the Unpacked podcast. I'm sure they'll forgive that. Uh, Devondre Campbell keeps making plays. Third and 11 sack on uh, Kyler Murray. The play this week has to be a, a good, unique feeling uh, for Devondre Campbell there. Uh, I don't know how much athletes really bank on the revenge game. I'm not sure what a revenge game looks like for an inside linebacker, but getting a sack on a third down certainly can't hurt uh, and uh, just continues to be one of the great pickups, the great in-season pickups uh, of the Brian Gutekunst era, probably the best. Well, not in-season, I guess. Um, Maybe it was in-season. Well, I guess it depends on your definition thereof, but uh, the Packers not making Campbell one of their free free agent priorities uh, during the heat of free agent spending. But um, wherever he was acquired, whenever he was acquired, uh, he has just done nothing but make solid plays, sometimes spectacular plays in the middle of the Packers' defense. It's been fun to see. Uh, Whitney Merciless, speaking of linebackers, the edge rusher is kind of a different position. He picked up his first measurable stats today. He had an assist on a tackle, uh, and he was credited by NFL dot com with a um, a quarterback hit today. Uh, so the Packers are getting some return on their decision to sign Whitney Merciless. Uh, finally, Randall Cobb now has two multi-touchdown games this season. That is, just to take a, a brief peek into the history books, just the third time in his career that he has had multiple multi-touchdown games 
in a single season. The other two years, 2012 and 2014, Randall Cobb throwing things um, back in time just a little bit. Fun to see, and it's been exciting to have him be a part of the Packers again. So I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate everybody who takes the time to uh, to download this episode and even more importantly, share it with a friend that uh, helps us grow in enormous ways. And uh, it's really the number one way that people find the show. Your word of mouth, you're sharing it. Uh, that gets more people uh, on board with the podcast and gets people involved in this conversation we're having around the Packers, which ultimately helps everybody, me included, become a smarter Packers fan. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.